The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by the SGPN Merch Store. Use promo code SGPNBA to get 10% off everything in the Merch Store. Yes, sir. We are back for another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. No, me, no voice, no guys. Me, really, Ralph, and the Ralph from Jew here at your service. And it is a Friday. Another day. Another day of teams winning without their stars. Oh, wait. There was one that didn't. Scott Studio Rush Show. Scott, what's going on? Eh, nothing much. Uh, looking forward to the Friday games. Bit of a weird card yesterday based on all the injury news. Uh, we knew Draymond was not going to play. Golden State won anyway. Uh, but we were a little bit surprised in the middle afternoon when Kwai ended up not playing, even though he had 31 points the game prior, and it looked like he was fine. But I guess this is why nobody takes the Clippers seriously. Uh, is that a good way to put it? I mean, as a franchise, they've never won anything, and they got this duo together with Paul George and Kwai, and their hope was to take over L.A. I believe that was the original approach by Ballmer. And they're not going to win anything because Kawhi, as good as he is, can't stay healthy. Paul George can't stay healthy either. And they are the, I can't call it a perfection. I can't call it the like model load management users because they don't win anything. But they definitely promote load, load management the most. And they actively punted a home playoff game. And the game was still close. Uh, I know that they covered. Phoenix got the job done. They didn't cover the opening line. They covered the closing line. But, yeah, the Clippers just – you never take them seriously to do anything. And this is another reason why. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing for me is, one, I don't doubt that Kawhi is actually hurt. and I, don't I think doubt he is that, too. But No, but just... th- my point being is that I I don't doubt that he's hurt. I don't doubt that there's something wrong with them, but the process that they took to go about it was completely wrong. And it's unfair to the fan. It's unfair to anybody for, for a league that is so talking so much of how they want to do a partnership with sports betting. It's unfair to sports betters. And the fact of one, you're only, only crazy people and delusional Clippers fans. Shout out to Daquan, wherever he's at, uh, would have took the Clippers last night, but it's the fact that there was nothing on the injury report for Kawhi in game two. If there was anything wrong with him, he at the very least need to be probable at the very least probable with the knee injury. We know something's going on, but he's still going to play. And then game you game three, you go through the entire morning of nothing on the, well, you had a whole day of injury report actually. And then the entire morning, nothing. And then he's just out. Like, that's, that's no, like, that's lame. Like, that is lame for him to just be out like that. Like, no, no questionable, nobody knew anything about injury, no nothing. That is hiding an injury designation. And the league just got on the freaking heat about that earlier in the season. So they should come down on the Clippers about it right now. I do want to ask you, though, about the Clippers moving forward. Um, Of course, we didn't exactly give the Clippers a shot to win this series. Props to them for winning game one. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if Phoenix potentially wins in five or six. But I want to ask you what the Clippers might have to do moving forward. Because on one hand, you mortgaged your entire future, including Shea Gildas-Alexander, to get Paul George and Kawhi together. Kawhi can't stay healthy for either an entire season or for a playoff run because you bench him half the time and he's still injured in the playoffs. Paul George gets injured too. Do the Clippers just blow it up? Are you in too deep? Like, what's What's the point? Mm-mm. I don't. I truly don't care what the Clippers do in the future. I'm not going to speculate. Or it's not really a matter of me caring either. I'm just no, but I'm saying I. I just don't like speculation of what teams are going to do because I feel like that doesn't like. I don't know. That just feels kind of first takeish to me. It doesn't. I feel think it's like an interesting adds, topic of conversation though. I, I I don't think it adds to anything because they can ultimate ultimately they've been doing the exact opposite of what I thought they should be doing anyway. So I just don't. I don't have any word like. They are de- they are determined that they have a talented roster, and when they all show up, they are a championship-level contender, and that is very much true. However, they have all not yet to show up, but they keep believing in them. So I'm 
whatever they feel like is best for them i support that and you do what you feel like is best for you but i'm not i I truly don't care to even speculate what i think they have to do whether they blow it up or not that's none of my concern for me it was just food for thought because you keep talking about Kawhi and how good his numbers are in the playoffs and how we know how good he can be whenever he plays at what point do you just cut ties as the clippers or have you mortgaged too much of the future that you just decide, you know what, we're going to go down with the ship. Once again, we don't have the answer to that, but I think it's an interesting conversation to have, yeah. in my opinion. But we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I just can't. I, I, I don't know. I just can't get with the. They're not going to win uh, anything anytime soon. Yeah, that's kind of mean. I mean, if it was me, I'd have blew it up a long time ago. Yeah, so I would have probably blown it up after the three-one bubble choke, but you know, maybe that would have been me. I don't know. But then again, that was the first year they had it together. But then you made it to the Western Conference, was it the Western Conference Finals, right? Uh, with Kawhi being out, they beat Utah and ended up losing to Phoenix. That was the Western Conference Finals, I think. Um, yeah. So the point is, I guess the argument was you made such a good run without Kawhi that you convinced yourself again to go down the same rabbit hole and to keep everyone together. But at the end of the day, the Clippers are the Clippers. I mean, there's a reason why, no matter how much they think they're relevant, in hindsight, they're really not, because they're never in th- a threat to actually win anything. But anyway, that's kind of my main point. Still a good game last night. Props to Westbrook, who played well. Booker is killing this team. Uh, really no way around it. Um, yeah. Do you have any other points from yesterday's game? Because it just seemed like Booker took over, and nobody on the Clippers can guard him. Yeah, no, I don't really have anything else. I mean, the series is going pretty much. I I said that one. I'd be surprised if they won a game. If they won one game, there was no way they were winning two. So, I think uh, I initially I'm had I initially had five. I think, I think I had five initially, but we'll see what happens. Once again, maybe Kawhi can play in Game Four, Game Five. We'll see, but still, uh, I don't have much more for that because the Clippers basically actively punted a home playoff game. Do you have any takeaways from the other two games last night? Uh, no, I mean, it went about, I mean, the favorites one, it's pretty chalk day. Uh, no, it was, I, uh, you have the whole I'm one step closer situation. to my Philly sweep though. You were very adamant that Brooklyn was going to steal a game and I, I mean, slightly closer. I, I still don't know how the hell they blew that game last night. I'm not going to apologize for that read. I mean, I said the Nets were going to win a game. I don't know. I know how they lost because they're just a dumb basketball because they didn't score hundred points. They gave up, oh, I mean, that I had, that I liked the team total under in the game yesterday, but they gave up an 11-1 run in the final two minutes to lose. You're up five with 2.04 to go, and you can't win the game at home. Oh, I mean, that it was just so bad. We can talk about the ejection separately. I think Embiid should have been ejected. I think Harden should not have been ejected. I, whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is the Nets had a game handed to them on a platter, and they ended up losing. On the bright side, I had the Sixers minus four and a half as my lock, so that got home. But still, I mean, it's just so sad to watch this Nets team just fumble opportunity after opportunity. They can't score. Dimwitty was awful down the stretch. O'Neal can't inbound a basketball. It's just dumb. It's just a really dumb team, and yeah, they need more talent. But that's really my takeaway. Philly's completely screwed in the next round. I don't even care. Boston's going to kill that team, and I will go on record saying that. I'll probably bet on Boston mm-hmm. minus one and a half or minus two and a half. They're going to okay. beat the crap out of that team. All right. You say so. I, I I would like to see Boston handle Philly. Philly when they can get everything going offensively. And Joe they, Embiid we saw him does get it. hurt again last night. Huh? We saw Embiid get hurt again last night. He always gets hurt. What does that mean? That's my point. Like, he's never healthy. So why would I? Th- I didn't think they had a chance when he was at full strength. He, but now he can barely but he's. Move. He okay, but he can barely move, and he still goes out there and and scores the basketball. Like I, I think I mean, the difference is that is that if he's out, then I would understand. But he's he's been playing with injuries literally all season, and he's had two back to back scoring titles. So I mean, I'm just gonna say when they when when they match up in the second round with Boston and Philly, Boston is going to absolutely dismantle that team so fast. And I'll I'll have money on Boston, so that's okay. my thoughts on that game. Uh, I wasn't impressed. Maxi's really really good. That's my main takeaway. Maxi's incredible. And then you have the other game, which was 
Why am I drawing a blank on? Oh, the Warriors game, of course, which I was wrong well, about. Well, before you talk about that, we're going to okay. talk about underdog fantasy because the NF- NHL and NBA playoffs are here. And what's a better way of getting down on some player props than over at underdog? Because besides daily NHL, NBA, and MLB games, we already have the NFL best ball drafts with a guaranteed half a million dollars in prizes. So head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right. Now we have one more game of the night, which was the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings, where Golden State handled the Kings at home, and they show off a more defensive intensity in this game, limiting the Sacramento Kings to what was it? the final score it was limiting the kings to oh wait that's wrong it limiting the kings to 97 points on the road 114 97 was the final score there under comes through golden state minus six comes through and it looks like a completely different series and i'll tell you right now that the books agree that it is a completely different series because we go and we look at the adjusted odds for the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings. And we have here, let me see if this line moved overnight. For the series spread, we have Golden State moves back to a favorite to win the series at minus 126. Kings plus 108 on the series spread. Golden State minus one and a half games is plus 225, minus 290 for for Sacramento plus 105. If you listen to me, you got Sacramento plus 105 in the beginning at plus 135, and you're still feeling pretty decent about that ticket. I mean... It, it was, so far it as going how I said it was going to go 2-0, it was going to be 2-0 going back to Golden State. Golden State was going to win the next two, and then we were going to have a best of three going back to Sacramento. So, I mean, nothing changed so far on my handicap. The only thing that – truth is, I, yesterday I was wrong about the game. Uh, if I said before, if, if Draymond was playing yesterday, I would have easily have taken Golden State. But with the injuries to him and Gary Payton the second, which was announced in the middle of the afternoon – I was really skeptical about how Golden State's defense would respond. I know they're going to make adjustments, but still, I mean, those are two of their best defenders on the team. And yet, it wasn't even close. Golden State does have some type of home magic where they constantly are able to just play insanely well at home. And I was aware of that being a thing. A part of me also was hoping that Sacramento would realize this was their chance to give the dagger shot and they would respond accordingly. Yeah, they didn't uh, respond well at all, and Golden State played well. We expected Curry to have a big game. He had 36. He didn't really need all 36, to be honest. The game was kind of just Golden State leading the entire way through. Poole played relatively well. Uh, It just seemed like Golden State had a very solid team effort. Looney was phenomenal on the glass. DiVincenzo had a good all-around game. Clay Clay was relatively quiet, right? I'm trying to think of Clay's stats on top of my head. He had a decent game, but nothing that was world-breaking, you know? He was fine. Wiggins was fine. It just seemed like everybody on Golden State contributed. Yeah, he had 20, but I'm saying it wasn't like a clay masterpiece, whatever. It was a fine clay game. No, I was was talking about I'm sorry, clay had 13. Oh, yeah. Wiggins had 20. Yeah, Wiggins had had 20 that I knew. Looney had 20 rebounds and nine assists. He was incredible. Golden State's bench didn't do much, which didn't surprise me. But, yeah, it was mostly just Golden State really kicked up the intensity defensively. And Sacramento seemed to not respond. And that was just the story of the game. So I'll admit I was wrong on that one. I thought that with the injury report, Sacramento had a decent chance to cover the spread. Didn't work out. In hindsight, you know, it's the home team winning all three games when Golden State has lost pretty much every road game and they've won every home game all year long. So that's not totally a shock. I'm not going to ask what you think is going to happen for the rest of the series because, once again, it's basically the exact same thing you thought was going to happen for the I was about to say, so far, my handicap from the beginning of the series is spot on. So we're just slowly rolling on here, and I'm just watching and waiting to cash game seven. Yeah, but besides that, though, um, yeah, I don't really have much more to add. I just thought Sacramento seemed like they were hoping that they'd be able to continue everything that was working in games one and two offensively. Golden State made the adjustments, and they're going to go back to the film room and they'll make adjustments for game four. But props to Golden State. They showed a champion mindset, and they ended up coming out, and they punched a team in the mouth when they were desperate to win. I don't have much more to add. So I think that if you felt like you are still on the Kings wave 
and you feel like that this is still there's no chance that either one of these teams went on the road, which again, I'm still going to stand by. I think game five and game six are going to completely buck the trend. And that's how we get to game seven. Like those are going to be the two games that completely buck the trend. Golden State wins on the road. Sacramento wins on the road. We get an amazing game seven and where I have no idea where I would even go if I pick game seven at that point in time. But if you still like the Kings, I'm telling you that plus 108 looks very, very good because there's no reason that they're up to one and they go back to a dog with one loss. Like this Kings team does look good. And if they can make the adjustment, remember, they have the second best road record in the league. Like that is that is very, very interesting here. And why I'm not mad at anybody if they say, no, I'm getting that back down on the Kings at plus money because, again, we talk about Golden State, who was 27 and 14 this season at home. 27 and 14 was the same record that the Kings have on the road. And that's pretty darn good. So it's going to be interesting game for, I will at least, I will say that to say the least. Are there right. adjustments you think that Sacramento needs to make for game four? You just think they came out and Golden State had a game plan for them and they were just the more desperate team? Yeah, I think Golden State was just a little bit more desperate. Um, it sounds like that Mike Brown kind of already knows what he wants to do in this series. He wants to get out and run. He wants to outscore them. And it just seemed like going, what was the final number from three for them? For which uh, So they they ended, go, the Sacramento Kings ended up 23.9%, 11 for 46 from three. I see 47, but still, the point is they worked terrible from three, and Golden State went 16 to 50. So both but teams didn't point, shoot well, so but Golden State shot better. But that's the point I'm making. You're not going, like, you're not shooting the ball that bad. And they they kept shooting it because they're not afraid. They weren't afraid. Like, so, I mean, I, I think that, a because it wasn't like they were getting bad looks they just literally could not hit anything and so uh, we still haven't seen kevin herter wake up in this series at all so if he shows up uh, i don't know because that's a, an additional three-point score that's really like he's not scaring them at all so i'm very very interested to see how this series go turns out when both teams are on on because i thought this was going to be the game of all offense but it might actually be next game well, the total right. closed at 241, and it wasn't even close. So a lot of people thought they'd be offense. I did. And, uh, yeah, as you said, that wasn't the case. All right. We have the SGPN merch store where you can, in honor of the NBA playoffs, until the end of April, get 10% off anything until the SGPN merch store. You can use promo code SGPNMBA. So get your Refs and Terrorist shirts, get your NBA Gaming Podcast shirts, all of this stuff over at store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Use promo code SGPNBA to get 10% off everything. All right, Scott, anything else you want to talk about? Because Daniel's talking about 30-minute recap. We're only actually 18 minutes, 19 minutes into the show now. It's so I think less. we can we did we the can, timer twice. Oh, yeah. So it's really less. So we can actually kill more time and talk about nothing since it, it just feels like we we do that all the time. Well, we got we got an extra ten minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, plenty of time. I mean, you know how how's home? How's everything? What's going on? Like, how can we do this? You know, overall, just... can't complain too much. You know, hockey playoffs were good last night, so that was mm-hmm. kept me entertained. Uh, but you follow hockey at all? You don't? No, I don't. Not at all. Not a lick. I think you'd actually be a big fan of the hockey playoffs. I just want to see people fight. That's it. That, there's a lot of that in hockey, so it's really right up your alley. Those guys are actually trying to fight. Yeah. So. All right. Okay. First game on the slate, we have the Boston Celtics going to play the Atlanta Hawks and Atlanta. Celtics open up as a four-point favorite. They have moved over to minus five and a half. A 228 and a half is the total injury report for these two teams, and we have for the Boston Celtics. Guess what? Nobody. And for the Atlanta Hawks, also Nobody for the Atlanta Hawks either. So, clean injury report. Series moves over to Atlanta. I mean, how do you take the Hawks? How do you or how don't you? Because I know you said you thought that Atlanta would take one, but you thought maybe it would be on the road. Oh, yeah. I definitely thought they were going to sneak them in game one. 100%. I actually felt very confident of them sneaking them in game one. It just seemed like a very Atlanta thing to do. So does that mean you've totally flipped and you just think Boston's going to kill this team? No. Why would I ever say that? 
because well, you you said like how can Atlantis? I wasn't sure if that was rhetorical. No, I I was just yeah. asking for you because I'm pretty sure that you and I mean eighty six percent of the bets, ninety two percent of money's on Boston, so everybody else is on Boston here. But I mean, so I mean I'm gonna lean Boston. Uh, it's, it's just simply put, they're the much better team. Uh, I feel like that you can make an argument Atlanta at home, the crowd's gonna be behind them, and it's a great atmosphere. I get all that. But going to the series, I thought Boston would either win in four or five. I gave out the spread of like two and a half games, and that worked out well. But at least so far, it's it's not – I don't even think Atlanta's close to solving anything that Boston's doing. I just think matchup-wise, Boston is too flexible. They're too athletic. They just have too many options. And I'm trying to think of what counters Atlanta has because the roster is flawed. I guess the main counter is Trey Young stopped looking awful out there and have a decent game and that's you're kind of just hoping your superstar does something but Boston has done a great job defending and you're looking at what Atlanta has in the front court especially they have Capella who's been completely neutralized in the series because Boston can go small they can really just make things uncomfortable for him by dragging him out he even had some comments about having to guard out Horford and how it's difficult to give proper rim protection when Horford's constantly dragging him away from the basket I don't know what Atlanta's counters are. You tell Trey Young to put up a massive game, which he hasn't done yet because Boston can defend him very well. You're looking at, like, do you put Collins at center? Do you just give a Conku a bunch of minutes? Because he was like a negative 20 last game. I just think Atlanta is really screwed because I think that Boston is a really bad matchup for them. They have a ton of depth at the guard position. They are, they're really athletic. They're very good defensively. And they can space you out and shoot a bunch of threes. I just think Atlanta is really in over their head right now, and you can tell. I'm going to lean Boston. If you want to make the team down 2 nothing angle, they have to win this game to put together a good effort. Okay. I mean, I understand that argument, but at the end of the day, I think talent's going to reign supreme, and I think you'll end up seeing Boston win this comfortably. I thought Boston would sweep most likely in the series, maybe in five, if Atlanta could steal one. What's the main adjustment do you think that Atlanta needs to do besides Trey Young, please give us 30 and 13? Trey Young, please give us 13 13. I was going to say, do you have anything that I'm forgetting there? Because it feels like Trey has really been the one guy who I don't want to say hasn't shown up, but basically hasn't shown up. Atlanta's gone on runs when they've been down double digits, coincidentally or not, with Trey on the bench. I mean, I literally said, and I, there's a point in time where I tweeted last game because they made a run and they made the game close. And I said, and Trey Young's about to come off the bench and completely mess everything up. And sure enough, I saw Trey Young come off the bench. I turned the game off, went and did something else. And next thing I know, they lost by 13 points. And so, I mean, he's not been that good in the series at all. And I think that that is probably the thing that can set them to at least, at the very least, making the game interesting at the end. Like They've made the game interesting at different times in the third quarter. In both of these games, but in the fourth quarter, this game's just got out of hand. But I can't even like, tell if when they make it interesting, it's because they're actually doing stuff that can be sustainable, or Boston's already up 20, so they just take a nap for five minutes, and Atlanta makes it interesting. Yeah. I can't tell. Um, so Derek White is also somebody that I'm just actually waiting to come down to earth. Um Somebody who's watching 25, 24 and 25. I mean, 24 and 26 in the two games is like really insane. Coming down to earth, though, for him, I think can be a steady 15. I still think Derek White's a very good player. I was wrong about him initially when they made the trade last year because he was brutal initially. And I think it was the NBA Finals. He really didn't play well. And I was wondering why they gave up a first-round pick to get him from San Antonio. But then you watched him this year, and he's been really, really good. So coming down to earth, I think, can still result in a 15-point average there. I don't think he's going to put up 20 and change. But I do think when you're looking at Brogdon, who won six-man of the year, whether you think he should have or not, the separate story. You have White, even Marcus Smart can give you some good games every now and then, a couple bad games sprinkled in. I just think Atlanta doesn't have anywhere near enough depth to make this even a series, in my opinion. So I'm on Boston. I'm guessing you're on Atlanta. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I figured, but I was just going to ask. Yeah, I don't know why you asked that. All right, um, I, I like Atlanta first quarter. That's really the bet that I will actually place on the game is I like Atlanta first quarter just to get out and not even just a sense of urgency, but just more the comfort 
like to feel more comfortable. I think Trey will feel more comfortable. I think, especially because the Boston fans weren't trolling him. Like that's really why he probably didn't play well because they weren't actively trolling him in those games. So uh, I think that getting back in front of the home crowd will at least give him a better start to the game because he's going to get the attempts. Like that's going to happen. And you listen to uh, what's his name? Um, Quinn Snyder talk about it and say, we want him to take the attempts. We want him to put up the shots. Even if he missed, we want him to continue to put up the shots. And we know that he's just an inefficient shooter, but at home it does. The percentages do go up. His efficiency does go up. He does play better at home. And so we'll see Uh, if you're one of those plus minus nerds, he was a minus 18 in game two and uh, what's the joint for game one probably worse because they were down 30 at halftime yeah probably honestly i can Um, pull it up but it's not good i I really don't care i don't i don't like plus minus but i know that there's a lot of people that do really take it take care of the plus minus stats so i like atlanta plus one in the first quarter to get out early maybe they get to the point and maybe this is a lead like this this could very well i very well could see them have a lead for majority of this game and then in the fourth quarter they somehow blow it but Uh, I will go ahead and take Atlanta early, get in and out with my money, and move on from this game. I do want to point out one thing, though, that Tony did mention in the comment section, which I want to point out, because it's a common trend you've heard a lot over the past week. I want to address it briefly. Uh, Teams down 2-0 are very, very good ATS historically, roughly 65% in the first half. However, that's become such a well-known trend that odds makers have over adjusted potentially to the mm. first half ATS numbers for teams down to nothing. So can you, can well, you really yeah, over you just, adjust, I don't, can you really over adjust that? I, I think once you set the spread, the first quarter and first half kind of set themselves. No, they don't. I'm saying specifically in this case, they do not. They will, they will specifically add another point or two or take away a point or two, I should say for the team down to nothing in the first half. So, if you actually have looked at it for the last couple of years, I think I first noticed this when the Raptors played against the Warriors, I think, or it was the Raptors Cavs. The trend was a thing back then. But if you have a team that's roughly like five or so for the full game, usually first half is around three, give or take. The line usually is a point off, at least in favor of the or against the team down to nothing. So Daniel's mentioning Brooklyn is plus one and a half in the first half yesterday. They were four and a half for the game. Usually first half is two and a half. They've been subtracting Mm -hmm. a point from the team down to nothing for the last couple of years. So with that being the case, I believe in the last two or three postseasons, the team down to nothing first half ATS is around 500. I think it's around 50%. So yes, that's a thing, but that has been cut into by bookmakers because this trend's been around for a while. So for the last couple of years, they have taken a point away in the first half spread. Okay. You can take it yeah. anyway, but oddsmakers have definitely been aware of that, and they have adjusted accordingly. Mm, well, I'm glad that's at the first quarter. Just saying, that, right. ha- that is the thing. They have, adjust- they have priced that in to the line. All right. For the total, sitting at 228.5. I mean, I think it goes over. I just think that you're going to get a more efficient scoring day from Atlanta where – they're not tapping out at what a hundred and six points per game. That's very un Atlanta like. And I don't think that it, I really like honestly, and that's why I'm like, I don't understand where the thought comes from that boss is just gonna go on this incredible run again because they're really not doing anything special because Atlanta's not forcing them to do anything special. Like well, that's kind of my point. I, th- I think they're going on a run because I don't like the teams in front of them. Yeah, yeah but I'm I saying they're, they're, gonna they're, Milwaukee. they're not. That... All I know is that teams that have not normal, most of the time, teams that have not been tested get punched in the mouth when teams actually played them well because they're like, oh, I thought we were just going to walk through this. And it just like, I still have defensive concerns about this Celtics team that they've shown in the second half of the season after the All-Star break that really like, Atlanta's not taking advantage of because Atlanta's just really not that good. And we knew they weren't that good, but we'll see if they can take advantage of those things at home. I do like Atlanta's team total today. And I like the over for the game. 
I'm really torn on the over because on one hand, you're hoping Atlanta can make some shots. On the other hand, I do think Boston is well-equipped to stop Trey Young on a regular basis. I think I have to lean to the over because the first two games were under this number. So this number at first glance seems extremely high based on how the first two games landed. So I think I'm going to have to go with the under in this one. Uh, I'm sorry, I think I'm going to have to go with the over in this one. This line seems high, but I think it's trappy high. I'm going to go with the over. I think we always hear the cliche, role players step up at home. And I think that you're right. I think Bogdanovich has a pretty good game. I think Sadiq Bey could have a good game. I think DeJounte and Trey will play better. DeJounte's been okay. It's mostly just Trey. You're hoping he can't be this bad in front of the home crowd. I also think Atlanta's going to go smaller. I don't think Capella has a role in this series. And we've seen it in the first two games. Capella's been a complete non-factor. So if they might go smaller, then you might see a lot more pace being played. I like the over. So I think you're going to end up seeing a decent amount of pace. I'm on the over as well. All right. And for player props, what are you looking at in this one? So for player props, it's really difficult to fully gauge Atlanta because if Trey gets his shot going then he might take a lot more shots. So it might take away some opportunities for other guys. I mentioned Bogdanovich. I like the over on threes for him. He kind of woke up there in game two. I really like the Capella under at 10.5 points. I see minus 130 on FanDuel. I like the under. Uh, he had four points in game two. Uh, he, he went over in game one, but he had a steal and a fast break dunk, and he also hit a post move, which I can't say I've seen him make that many of in the last couple of years. But just matchup-wise, when he's having quotes with reporters saying it's very difficult for me to provide rim protection while I'm having to keep an eye on Al Horford, I don't know why he's in the game. If you're using him for rebounding and for the and for rim protection, but he's being taken away from the rim, and he has no real offensive talent besides being a rim runner for Trey to throw some lobs. I think they have to go smaller. I think Okonkwo is going to play. I think maybe Collins plays center for a little bit in this game. I like Appel Unders. He had, once again, four points in game two. He only attempted four shots. He doesn't have a post move that he can go to on a regular basis. I'm a big fan of Capella Under. He played 22 minutes in game two, and he had zero fouls. I don't think he's going to play that much. Uh, I mean... I agree, but I just played it with the pl- same way that I played it last time, Okongwu over five and a half rebounds. Okay. And it's because I think Okongwu probably should be getting majority like majority of the minutes. He is the better suited big to play in this series, especially when Robert Williams is not on the court. Like I truly believe that's the only reason that Capella should be on the floor is when Boston pulls Robert Williams at, up at the, uh, what's the name, <laughs> up to the scorer's table. As soon as Quinn Snyder sees Robert Williams up to the scorer's table, all right, I'm countering with Capella. It's that easy. I'm not, we're not getting cute about it. We're not thinking about it. I would actually probably, you know, it's not an adjustment he's going to make, but I mean, if there's, if they're starting Horford, you got to start Okongwu. Like he's the better suited big to play him. And you just take you just take the rim like the fact that you're not going to have much rim protection, and you lean on your other guys, your DeAndre Hunters, your uh, John Collins, to get in front of guys and kind of help slow them down. But I mean, Boston has a really really tough lineup that is really hard to defend because of the fact that they can stretch the floor for you. So, yeah, no, Al Horford versus Clint Capella is a very very bad matchup. All right. Uh, Do you have any props that I forgot? Yeah, I think yeah, I think this is the Trey game. Okay. So uh this is this is the Trey points in this game where he just kind of racks up, finds everybody to their spot, and makes, you know, is really just like that gnat at the bar pest for the um Boston Celtics. And who else do I like? I think this is the game I want to take Sadiq Bay from three as well because of that same mindset of Trey gets going, and once he gets going, he's got, they're going to start collapsing on him, and they're going to start finding open shooters, rotating the ball around, and some of the role players are going to get a lot easier shots than what they were getting on the road in Boston. So Sadiq Bay's over one and a half three-pointers is at plus 130. 
that's I an think, insane line. Yeah, extremely insane line. And I think that's the play that I want to take and I want to ladder up today is Sadiq Bey to have a really good game just because of the fact that I think that there will be a lot easier work for Trey Young. He's going to feel more comfortable. I heard that there was a Scott Foster sighting tonight in Atlanta. So we'll see if Trey ends up getting to the line. If that starts impacting how Boston wants to defend him, if they say they want to take more chances from the outside and Sadiq Bay has the talent where he can absolutely take, take over that opportunity. So I think tonight is the Sadiq Bay off the bench game for me. Yeah. Bay had zero points in game two. So I guess that's why this line is so low. But I just think with his activity, he is definitely one of the better role players that they have. So you're trying to go across the minutes played here. Bogdanovich played 33 minutes, so he's going to be the standard choice to take for three-pointers because he made four of them last game. They took three. He just missed all three. So I do think he could get to run. He still played 15 minutes. Once again, like, I know Hunter's going to play 38. He played 38 minutes in game two. He had 18 and 12. Do you maybe consider taking a Hunter or Collins rebound prop? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, that's definitely, I'm, I could consider it. I don't know if I'm going to get there just yet, but I am definitely in the lane of considering that. Uh, Back to Sadiq Bay really quick in the one game that he, cause he played two games with against Boston, but in the one game that was actually in Atlanta, 17 points, six for nine from the field, four for seven from three. So hopefully we get a little bit more of that Atlanta magic from Sadiq Bay. All right. Any other props you got before we move on? Uh, I don't think so. No. Uh, maybe right. maybe a Tatum over, but, you know, just not not really. Okay. All right. Next game on the slate, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers traveling to the Mecca of basketball, Madison Square Garden. The New York Knicks go play the Knicks. Knicks open up as a one-point favorite. They are now a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Two eleven-and-a-half is total. Injury report here for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Seti Osman is questionable, and Windler is out. We already knew that. And for the New York Knicks, nobody is on the injury report for them. Josh Hart is not on the injury report after spraining that ankle in game one. And so he looks like he's good to go. No designation for him. All right. Knicks laying one and a half at home. I had the series going seven. I had the Knicks winning, or I thought it'd go six or seven. Not surprised by anything that I've seen so far in the series. Uh, I gave out the Knicks money line uh, for game one and one of the NBA episodes. I don't remember which one. So I wasn't surprised that happened. In Cleveland, we were both on yes uh, last game because we thought that they were just going to show up and make some adjustments and they'd win pretty comfortably, and they did. I'm going to lean to the Knicks. Uh, at the end of the day, I do think that the home crowd is going to play a factor. The Knicks really played as badly as they possibly have could uh, could have, but it was Cleveland being desperate. Garland played very well. Brunson was brutal. He was really just not good in that game, but I think they'll make adjustments. I think Brunson shows up. I'm going to go with the Knicks in this one. Mm. As much as I do believe that the Knicks show up in this spot, I believe that the Cavs show up in this spot as well. I mean, and they they adjusted for it. Donna Mitchell's points line is at 29 and a half. Uh, man. It's it's a really uh, tough call. Like it, it's it's yeah, a good reason why the spread is. I so can long. I can see this being one like one two possessions either way. Honestly, I am going to trust that one Josh Hart. It feels a little bit better on that ankle because they've had a couple of days rest. Actually, I don't even think it's just. Is it just one day? No, they've had yeah because no, they moved two, locations. I thought it was two days. Yeah, they've had two days rest. And so uh, I think that that's going to go a long way on his ankle for him to be a lot more effective off the bench. I think that the X factor, and I'll just go ahead and tip my hand on the props, is going to be Emmanuel Quickly's contribution off the bench today, especially with the fact that, I mean, come on, guys. He just lost six man of the year. Like, just lost six man of the year. If you ever want a narrative for why Emmanuel Quickly is going to go off in this game, Throw out that you're playing in a playoff, your first playoff game in Madison Square Garden. Just throw that out of the water. 
he just lost six man of the year. <laughs> like, is this first game? He, he wasn't on that team. The no, he was, right? no, I'm pretty sure he wasn't on the team. Okay. Lost Atlanta. I think that he came in after that season. I could be wrong, but I, cause all these seasons just run together of mediocrity. So, and people are betting it because he's juiced up that 11 and a half is juiced up to minus one thirty at this point. And so, I, I I'm completely bought in. So I think that Emmanuel quickly is going to have a really good day. He's going to be a, he's going to be an X factor add in the contribution that we know we're going to get from Jalen Brunson add in that. We know that, you know, Julius Randall is going to come in and whether it may be efficient, whether it may be not, he's going to have a contribution in that scoring. He's going to be able to help this team get to a win. So I just think that I'm going to, once again, even though I think that Karis Levert played really, really well last time, and they have grossly, <laughs> grossly updated his points prop after me calling him at eight and a half. Uh, he's at 12 and a half points now. I don't think that the bench contributions are enough than what, because I can name three guys coming off the bench for the Knicks that I think are going to have pretty significant impacts in this game. So I'm going to lean with the Knicks as well. I think they get it done in game three, but the Cavs don't go away. This is a very close contested game with a lot of scoring going Knicks here I'm going to buck the trend and I like the over for this one just because again I think quickly is going to have a good game I think Brunson is going to have a good game pretty sure Donovan Mitchell is going to have a good game so I just think that this level of scoring is going to be across the board pretty well for a pretty low total at this point at 211 and a half what do you think about with regard to player props what exactly would your defensive game plan be for Cleveland do you let Mitchell go off like it did in game one and try to limit everyone else? Or do you let Mitchell potentially get 13 assists and you hope Garland doesn't score 26 points again? Or 30 points mm, again, I mean. I think you don't really go wrong with either one. I think it's kind of pick your poison there. I mean, more than likely, Donovan Mitchell is going to get his. And so you don't want everybody else to get going and then – you know, fourth quarter comes and Donovan Mitchell takes this game over. Like that's absolutely what you don't want to want, don't want to do. So uh, I think you trust your matchups and you just sit there and say, Hey, if Donovan Mitchell beats us, he beats us. But I know that all around we can defend everybody else really, really good. They've been really, really good defending the inside with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen for the most part of these games. And so if we take away everybody else, all right, Spider, go out there and show us you can score 70 again. We've seen you do it before. Can you do it again? Because we're going to limit the rest of these guys to very, very low production. Yeah, for me, the main prop I'm looking at, maybe it's kind of, I don't want to call it a hero play, but I was praising him before the series, and I thought he'd play very well, and he really hasn't. I'm calling out Brunson. I like his over at 23 and a half, but he was uh, – not very good in game two, and game one, he was good for a half. He barely played the first half in game one because he was in foul trouble. I see 23 and a half. I think it's too low. He still got the volume up. He had, what, 17 shots? He went like three, four. What'd he go? Like three for seven. No, sorry. What'd he go? Five for 17, I think. And he two. didn't. I don't even think he attempted. He might have attempted one shot in that third quarter last go round. Like he, point is, it wasn't he, good. But yeah, he he really he really the attempts went down in game two, and I, it, at that point the game was over. So it was just like I, I think he steps up at home. So I think Brunson's in line for a good game. Uh, I think that it's a good spot for him. I still don't really trust Cleveland's defense guarding him, especially with them not using a Coro anymore. Smart move by them adjusting that because a Coro couldn't shoot. So he was killing their spacing. But with him off the floor, I do think Cleveland has some question marks defensively to stop Brunson. He had a bad shooting night. I'm not going to overreact to it. I still like Brunson over. Yeah, me too. Uh, they're talking about Nick's first quarter in chat. I like Nick's first quarter too. Although I am terribly afraid that um, Donovan Mitchell messes that up. And he just goes, he just goes for like 15 points in the first quarter. So. That's the really that's the really only like honestly, that's the only solace that I have in the Knicks not feeding off the energy of Madison Square Garden and that getting a little bit in the head of Cleveland. And it's the fact that Donovan Mitchell prob has been here, done that before. And he probably can give us 15 in the first quarter. Other than that, I like that first quarter play for sure. All right. By the way, so what is your official prediction on the MSG game for a Cavalier? Um, good point. Let me see here. 
<sighs> I don't think it's cares. Mm, I don't know. I think that moment is Mobley is really, really young. Like, I think that's a really, really big moment for Mobley. I mean, I personally don't mind the Mobley call. I, I, I think it, yeah. I mean, it, it feels like it has to be him because it's like it's not going to be anybody off the bench. Like, this is the thing. This is the hard thing about the Madison Square Garden moment with the Cavs team because it's like. You gotta. It's better when you're picking a guy coming off of the bench that just randomly goes out there and gives you twenty plus points. But like, they're not getting any scoring off of this bench. No, if, if it would be anybody that you wouldn't expect, it would be like Osman who hits like four or five threes. Or they decide that they're gonna use Danny Green in the series, and Danny Green comes in and hits a bunch of threes. Like that's something that I could weirdly see, but it doesn't even look like he like he didn't play any when that game was close. Like he didn't even check in. So. Uh, Rubio played six minutes in game one. Yeah, it's got to be Mobley. I think it's either Mobley or Osman, but Osman would be solely for three pointers. Mm. No, I'm not betting on Osman. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's Mobley. Okay. But, all right. Uh, total is, I, I like the over. Total is at 211 and a half. It's coming it down. It is very low. The. <laughs> Do you think the Knicks are going to try to run more, or do you think they just believe they can outplay him playing this slow style? I think that the I think the energy just gets there, and it gets to a point in the game where every no matter how slow the game is, everybody's making their shots. <laughs> like I, I truly, I, I just think it's going to get to a point where everybody's making their shots, and even though the game will feel slow in terms of you know, because once you make that shot, you're taking the ball out of bounds, and they bring the ball up court make the cup plays and then another shot makes it. I think that we're just going to go on a run of scoring. That's going to really push this total up. So I understand why everybody's on the under because of how these, these series has played out thus far, but this first game in Madison square garden, I just think that the scoring is going to be there, man. I think I'm going to lean under. It's mostly just a lack of pace. I haven't seen any desire from either team to try to run. And I think that even if they shoot well, and you lose, it happens. But if I'm basically daring both teams to have good offensive showings to go over 211, I'll take my chances. I'm hoping the Knicks defensively look a lot sharper than they did in game two. They really had a terrible defensive game. And Cleveland's defense has done a pretty decent job against the Knicks. But I think you're in line for at least one bad quarter, one very ugly quarter, maybe a feel-out process as well to start the game. I'm going to lean under. I don't. I don't hate your call on the over. I just. I'm gonna wait until I actually see it between two slow-paced offenses before I take an over. Hey, and look, you know that's what some some people are waiting to see it, folks. Other people are ready to. Wow! So that's what you're talking about, Jake. I was sitting yeah. here. I'm like, what is Jake talking about? And so Jameson Williams uh, had to get those parlays in. So hey, this is this is great. Do you think he's in a group chat with? Do you think he's in a group chat with Calvin Ridley? Real Both Bama guys. DJs, we salute you, Jamison Williams, and what? it was four other people on the team. Oh my god! Hold on, wait. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna. It was a Washington defensive end, and there was like Jamison Williams and a couple other players, but it wasn't Williams alone. There might have been. Like... Oh no! It's Cepho- uh, Cephas. Oh yeah, Cephas. Yeah, Wisconsin. Cephas. Yeah. Cephas. Yep, and CJ Moore. Wow. I really <laughs> want to know how good the the other picks are in the group chat. That's really what I, I want to know. know what what they bet on and did they win? Like that's what everybody like. Everybody is like, oh my god, you bet on the game. I just want to know, did you win? Yep. <laughs> and if so, what was the intel that you had to do? So that I know next time you're getting in this again. Oh man, this is great. It's yeah. for a year, right? Shout out to yeah. I mean, if they do the Calvin Ridley thing, they're uh, well. It says suspended indefinitely, from what I'm looking at. I'm assuming it's a year because Cal- but it's definitely got yeah. Okay. Ridley got a year, so Fair man, enough. that was great. All right, great little uh, commercial moment there. Going on to the last game. Oh well. Props. Any? Well, we we talked about it. I we already like we talked about it. it yeah. yeah, we talked about it. All right. Last game of slate, we had the Denver Nuggets on the road playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. Denver is up to nothing. 
opened up as a two-point favorite. They're now a two-and-a-half-point favorite, 222-and-a-half is total injury report for these two teams. And we have for the Denver Nuggets, Jokic is probable with that wrist injury. And for the Minnesota Timberwolves, Rudy Gobert, Jalen Noel, both questionable. Uh, I mean, does Minnesota win the game? That's basically what we're so. asking here. That's basically what so. we're asking here. This is a very, very close spread. I actually think that this is actually kind of disrespectful to Denver, but I think it is too. But it kind of—I mean, this honestly, does this not smell? This, this, this is—this smells like a very, very choppy line. Because why is it like? Why do you have Philadelphia, who was a four and a half point favorite, Boston, who was a five point favorite? And this series has gone pretty much the exact same as those series. But then Denver comes here and gets the short end stick of two and a half. Den- the Denver game was only close for because of one quarter. It was because Minnesota killed them in the third quarter. Denver and was, it was up co- by because of one half. person. And it was because yeah. of one person. <laughs> like you said, Minnesota is because Anthony Edwards killed pretty them. Much, yeah. Well, Con- so, Conley was pretty good. But yes, Edwards carried for the most part. Yeah. So that's got a lot. I mean, okay, I'll ask you this, though. Do you think Minnesota can win the game if if Carl Anthony Towns no. has a less than no. 20 points? No. Do you think he gets the 20? I know I don't. I'm done with Cat, but then I'm taking Denver. I I mean no offense to the top 3 center in the league, but we're going to go we're going to fade uh Towns, you know. Yeah, I mean, man. This is tough. Because the line, the line screams to me that Minnesota is going to win this game. Like that, that's basically what it's telling me. Like this line is screaming to me, Minnesota is going to win this game. I just don't trust this team at all. Yeah, but you typically teams you don't trust are the teams that win sometimes. Well, they're not going to lose every game, but the the issue that I have is yes, Edwards went crazy and that game was competitive, but Jamal Murray woke up. We got Bubble Murray again. So I at least think Denver can somewhat match Edwards. They have a chance to somewhat blow for blow. And Cad has been invisible for the entire series. So, yes, you can make the argument, well, if Cad even had a mediocre game, they would have won the game. Sure. But until Cat shows up, I'm not going to assume he shows up because his playoff track record is abysmal. So, look, if you want to take Minnesota and you win, Congrats. It's the same thing if you took Golden State last night. I could be wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like if, don't, if you pick the side right, good for you. But I don't think I can do it. I just can't. I've, I just don't like this Minnesota team. I don't like the roster construction. I'm not a fan of Finch as a coach. They needed Edwards to go nuclear just to keep the game competitive. I, I feel like until I see Towns show any resemblance of his, his usual self, I can't back this team. I'm going to go with Denver. I know Denver on the road isn't great, and maybe that's the reason why, but I, I just can't do it. I, I really can't. I want to, but I can't. Mm, let's see here. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't go with a stinky line like that. Give me Minnesota. Usually, I just will automatically take the uh, trap line. I'll go with the underdog in this case, but Minnesota's an exception because I really just don't like anything about that team besides Edwards being really, really good. I think that's how I play it. I play, and I'll just say that Anthony, if I had to take the two people that scored 40 last time and who is more likely to replicate that success, I'd probably give it to Anthony Edwards. I feel like I think, just, I think it's correlated. Murray. I think if Minnesota is going to win, you should just parlay with Edwards 30 plus points. Yeah. Uh, this line, I'm sorry. This line is so weird. Like, oh, it's, it's very weird. weird. It, it's, oh, well. a, it, it's screaming to me that Minnesota is going to win this game. And sometimes you just got to trust your gut. So give me Minnesota plus two and a half. Got I'm going to go with Denver. All right. Total sitting at, where is it? So at 222 and a half. I think that came up half a point. No, it's actually stayed true at 222 and a half. All right. I think I'm on the over in this game. I don't think anybody on Minnesota can guard Murray, and I don't think anybody on Denver can guard Anthony Edwards. 
So I, I'm just going to expect points because both teams have guards that can really just do whatever they want. This I don't know. I'm not bought into Jamal Murray having a good game after having 40. Like, this just feels like the game where everybody's betting the over on his prop because it's sitting there at 23 and a half, and he just gave this team 40, and he looked really good in game one, too, but... I just know I just know Jamal Murray had like there's a reason why people talk about Bubble Murray because <laughs> he has been very very inconsistent in terms of his scoring where we see hey there goes Bubble Murray and oh there goes Jamal Murray oh look Bubble Murray right over there oh dang Jamal Murray's right there but oh wait there goes Bubble Murray again but then there's Jamal Murray like I'm not bought in all the way that Jamal Murray has another game for a third consecutive game in this series. Another really good game for a third consecutive game in this series. Maybe I was distracted because I saw the whole thing in full, but it was it was incredible to watch. No, I uh, mean, yeah, it was it was really, I know. really good. I, I understand your points. I'm just... so but again, with this sports betting thing and with all of this, like it's I'm so easy to just all right, moving on moving on like that was a really good moment but we're moving on and i just know jamal murray as a history of betting jamal murray outside of the bubble he has been <laughs> inconsistent like he's been very, very he averaged 20 like 20 in a in a league where people are going out and average like there's like five guys averaging 30 points per game and he averaged 20 for the season like I think with one of the best passers if not the best passer in nba history so yeah so I, I don't know. I, I I understand your point. I think, I, I might, think he'll be able to duplicate. If Jamal stuff. Murray went under 23 and a half in this game, I'm telling you, I would be the least surprised person on earth. Like it I just maybe wouldn't screams, be surprised, but it just screams he has a 15 point game. I maybe wouldn't be totally shocked, but I wouldn't bet the under because after last game, Murray's going to be chucking it from half court. Like the confident, the amount of heat. But that's what I want. That's game. all right. Jamal Murray under 23. And okay. Half. You talked me into it. That's what I want because that's right. what I want. I want him to chuck and get that confidence that he had last game because it's not going to be there. I'm, all right. I'm taking it. Jamal Murray under 23 and a half. Okay. That, that already starts our props conversation. We're both on the over. Uh, anything else you like here? If Jamal Murray doesn't get going, somebody else has to get going for them. I'm kind of tempted by Gobert points, which sounds bizarre, but we, we criticized Jokic's defense in the uh, in the regular season and opposing centers kept doing well. Just saying, Gobert, he had a good game last game. You know, if he had a lot of opportunities, free opportunities at the rim, Denver's going to be switching everything. So I think that Gobert could have some putbacks, some lobs. I want to see what the points are, though, just for Gobert. But I think he actually has a decent game here, especially if Cat's going to vanish. Cat's turned himself into a three-point only offensive player at this point. So there actually is some spacing for Gobert to potentially get some lob threats. What's the point total for him? Sorry, I'm just pulling this up. I know you think I've lost my mind, but I'm just kind of curious what the actual line is here. Do you have any props you like in the meantime? Oh, you you asked me what props I had in the meantime. I, I felt like, I don't know. I thought that the, the internet Wi-Fi was something. You were saying something. It's like 12 and a half. It's a, it's a pretty low number, in my opinion. I, I think it's a low number for Gobert. Mm, Scott, some Wi-Fi must have went out again. All right. Uh, but I think 12 and a half is a bit low. 12 and a half for who? Gobert. In this oh, your, your Wi-Fi must have went out again. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. All right. Well, I'm going to just go ahead and go with my... Uh, rest of my props since I feel like you're saying something, but I don't know. Uh, Do you like Mike Conley over 12 and a half then? I think that I like Mike Conley threes. I was debating that earlier because I'm looking, I like, I've been staring at his two and a half threes at my, at plus 140 for an extremely long amount of time today. But it's like, I don't logically have a reason to get there other than Mike Conley just turns back the clock. Well, he's also been good in this series. So he already has been turning back the clock. He's been solid. And the threes I don't mind because he hasn't really had the ball in his hands as much as you'd expect a point guard to because Edwards has been the main guy. So he's kind of in the spot-up three-pointer role on the wing where if they start double-teaming or they send help over, he's the immediate guy that might get an open look. So, yeah, I don't mind the threes either for Conley. Yeah. Especially if uh, 
Carl Anthony Towns actually tries to be somewhat aggressive, he's really going to open things up. Like he and Cat can really, really open things up for Mike Conley. And this is a guy that they trust. Yeah, let's go with Mike Conley over two and a half threes at plus 140. Um, Do you have anything on Jokic? And, uh, no, I don't. Nope. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't trust Jokic at all. Um, because he can absolutely take this game over if he wanted, but I'm just not going to try to get into the psyche of Nikola Jokic and if he wants to take this game over or not. What I am interested in is a veteran stepping up on the road and being able to help supplement some of this scoring. You're Jeff Green guy? Bruce Brown. Oh, okay. Bruce Brown. I feel like this is a good Bruce Brown game. He had 14 in game one. But I can see Bruce Brown just kind of getting just kind of, you know, when Bruce Brown starts to feel himself, he really starts to feel himself and he can really, really start scoring the basketball, whether it's at the rim, whether he's hitting up, hitting spot open threes. I think that especially on the road, if Jokic is become this more pass first guy, especially with the wrist injury, becomes this more pass first guy that Bruce Brown is a guy he can find open in this series, somebody that. And I think that the, you know, if you kind of think of Minnesota of who they would let kill them, yeah, sure. Let Bruce Brown hit those shoot those open shots. Like I'd much rather it than it be Jamal Murray or whether it and then it be Michael Porter Jr. So over half a three is minus one twenty. That is a pretty good line. I don't know how many he's gonna take though. Like you're assuming two, maybe? I think he I think he can get he got four attempts in game one and hit two. I think we can get somewhere around that same production. And, you know, if, you know, if the gambling gods are on our sides, we get more and you can ladder that and have a good one. But I, I, I kind of have a feeling about Bruce Brown today. So I feel like I kind of have to consider leaning towards an under on Jeff Green. I know it's seven and a half and I know that he had a good game last game. But he couldn't miss last game. He went five for seven from the floor. He didn't miss a three pointer. I don't see that happening again. Jeff Green, it seems like every series for his entire career will have one game where he just shows up and has a great game, and then he goes back to having like two points the next game. It's it's the Jeff Green experience. It, that just sums up his entire career at this point. I think Jeff Green's had his game. I think he's probably going to go under. But All right. Anything else for this one? Uh, I'm thinking about Aaron Gordon under. Uh, he's gone under in the first two games. He had 12 points in game two. He had 13 points in game one. And his number's 14 and a half. I, I, don't, I don't really, I've mentioned it several times over. I don't think Aaron Gordon's that good of a basketball player. I think that defensively gives you something. Offensively, he's the product of Jokic giving him a bunch of lobs. But Aaron Gordon doesn't really scare me with any part of his, of his offensive game besides finishing dunks. I'm going to go with the under on Gordon. I don't think this is a great series for him in terms of having big scoring games because Cat and Gobert can give you rim protection. Does Gordon scare you from the outside? Anything outside of 5, 10 feet? No. So I'm going to go with Aaron Gordon under. 14 and a half seems a little bit high to me. All right. I like it. All right. Lock and dog time for this three-game NBA playoff slate. Let's see here. Uh, hmm. it's a lot to like. I feel like Jalen Brunson is just a lock tonight. Give me Jalen Brunson over 24 and a half. I, I will at some point bet Brunson 30 points tonight, or like plus 320, 340. Yeah, or first. First playoff game for the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. I I mean, especially after a bad game, I truly, truly just go ahead and lock into Jalen Brunson and just saying that he's going like again, who are the, who do they have that can match up with him and stop him? Nobody. All right. Jalen Brunson over 24 and a half is my lock for my dog. How dogish do we want to get today? You go Minnesota? Um, oh, no. I feel like if I do Minnesota, I'd have to make it a double. Uh, 
Atlanta? Maybe. What was, that? what was that other bet that I said was plus money? Not Conley. It was another one that said it was plus money that I liked. Oh, Sadiq Bay. Yeah, Sadiq Bay. Let's let's make Sadiq Bay the dog. Hey, let's call my shot. I feel like having fun on the slate today because I don't actually feel the best about the sides for the slate today. But Sadiq Bay, I really think that he can be an additional factor to come alive at home, especially if Trey Young gets going. So plus 130 for over one and a half threes on Sadiq Bay today. All right, uh, so for my dog, I'm going to take another under for a player prop, and it's not going well. Shout out to Claxton for actually playing well yesterday. But I'm going to go with Capella under 10.5 points. He went over in game one. Once again, I mentioned there were some fluky circumstances there. Game two, he was a complete non-factor. He only attempted four shots. He made two of them. But you're looking at his role in this series, and I think it's basically non-existent. I think Atlanta has to go smaller. Uh, he has a hard time of staying on the court when Horford's in the game because he's going to force him to guard the three-point line. And we saw Atlanta have some success when going smaller. I think they're going to probably stay with that. I'm on Capella under. I think that 10 and a half is too high. Once again, he can't really shoot free throws. He doesn't have much of a post game. Do I think he's going to be able to hit six dunks or potentially hit five dunks and a free throw in what should be around 23 minutes of playing time? I don't. So I'm on Capella under. I think that number's too high. So that will be my lock at 10 and a half points. For my dog, you know what? I just mentioned it. I'll take it anyway. Give me Brunson 30 plus points at, let me see the number I can get. I see 280 at this point. So I'll take Brunson 30 plus points at 280 as my dog. Um, I am adding a bonus dog of... Clint Capella, 15 plus points at plus okay. 370. 15 might be much. You can take an alt line if you want to go a little bit higher, but yeah. I trust fading you in these unders. So. Okay, fair enough. Very much so. <laughs> and I, the chat is with me as well. Capella's going to score 11 today. <laughs> well, so. 11 wouldn't help you out because you want the 15. No, but I'm not, they're, they're very much fading your under. And did you really take uh, Claxton's under? Yeah, I took an alt under actually. He went over in four minutes. <laughs> took six is and a half. A first quarter. Is there a first quarter line on Click He took. Uh, I think I had six and a half at plus one ninety eight, and then he went for seven points in the first four minutes of the game. So, yeah, that happened. Uh, they I forgot the first them. under that I had. Oh, it was Lowry. I had the under on Lowry in the playing game, and he had thirty three points, and I think he scored seven combined points since. So, yeah. Sometimes when you have an edge, you just got to take that edge, man. Good times. And yeah. Oh, uh, man. So they don't have a first quarter line. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, oh. No, they don't. No. For, for they got Capella, a they will, they'll have it for like DeJounte and Trey. They yeah, it's for literally everybody but Compella. Dang. Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to go and request a bet. All right. Other than that, nothing else that I have. What do you have for the people? I got nothing else to add. I'm going to have a tennis podcast later. I know that. Uh, Trell and I just did an NFL episode earlier this week on some draft stuff for the AFC West. So if you want some draft coverage, we got you covered there. Uh, nothing else, really. Uh, yeah, find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio. You know where to find me at really real underscore underscore and uh, follow the Hardwood Culture Podcast, HW Culture Pod. I am about to go record another episode and probably give out some different bets on there for the NBA. So definitely Hardwood Culture. Uh, wherever you get your podcast there and make sure you subscribe to the NBA gambling podcast. If you're not on YouTube it's 64 of you guys. So when I go back to check the YouTube, there should be 64 likes in there. Appreciate that. Love y'all appreciate. And uh, make sure you go ahead, follow us on Twitter at SGPN NBA. Make sure you leave reviews wherever you listen to your podcast, all of that. Other than that, I have nothing else to say, nothing else to do. No other way of ending the podcast. Just going to like this. Uh, who's winning Wimbledon? Probably Djokovic, if I had to guess. Djokovic. All right, Djokovic is winning Wimbledon. We're out of here.